Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Eagles fans? Welcome into another edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's the Locked On Eagles podcast, as always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Tuesday edition of the show. Guys, episode number 205, downloaded into your phone wherever you subscribe to Locked On Eagles. We are available on all platforms, on Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, you name it. We're available on YouTube as well. All our full episodes are in video form now, Monday through Friday. We've got short YouTube videos posted as well with the season officially underway, content after content after content on YouTube and all our podcast platforms every day of the week. And we're always talking birds on Twitter at Locked on Birds at DBLCLOE LOE at GC24 underscore football. Gino and I are going to continue to dive into what a fun season opener it was between the Eagles and the Falcons, a blowout win for the birds, 32 to six. And Gino, it's the first time this year we're doing stock up, stock down. We'll get into stock up segment two, stock down segment three. And there's a lot more good than bad. And that's a nice change of pace compared to last year to start the season after week one last year. That 17 nothing collapse was a brutal start to the season, and it kind of kept going that way. Yeah, we always know that Victory Monday is much more fun than Feels taking so it better. out. That's for sure. And seeing all these people on Twitter that are backtracking their Eagles takes, saying that mm. they aren't going to be the worst team in the league. We told you so. We told you so. We told you that there was too much talent in the trenches, too much athleticism at the playmaking positions for this team to be as bad as many people thought it would be. Going around the Twitter sphere today, uh, you see the efficiency ratings. Their defensive efficiency for protecting the pass, Lou, is one of the top three currently. That's a nice change of pace from compared to the last decade. Beautiful <laughs> change of pace, something that I don't think we've seen in. I, I don't even know. Maybe the days of Sheldon Brown, Lito Shepard, Troy Vincent. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been quite some time. And yes, it is one game, but to know that under a new coaching staff, under a new regime, new coordinators at both sides of the ball, even special teams, you were able to operate efficiently, which Correct. is good. And knowing that you can do what you want to do and stick to that plan and not have to go outside of your realm of comfort is exactly what we want in a Philadelphia Eagles team. When you, I said it today, I was on the Philadelphia Eagles sports table or Philly sports table podcast, mm-hmm. and he asked me what I felt, and I just said it was a balanced game. And for once, like we didn't have to worry about when the stops were going to come because it just seemed like they were stopping every drive that Atlanta was trying to do. And then when the points weren't going to be scored anymore, and it just seemed that they kept scoring points. And that's one thing that you and I, for the longest time, have just been waiting for all three of these units to balance each other out. And it felt balanced. It really did for Mm -hmm. once. It felt like all three phases, special teams maybe not as much, but all three phases when it comes to the punt and kick game in terms of Jake Elliott and Aaron Sipoff, the defensive matchup, I mean, not allowing a drive over 25 yards after those first two drives, Lou, that's how you settle in. Pretty and then impressive. Go, and then going out there and seeing Jalen Hurts being one of the top 10 efficient passers of the week. And to me, that's a victory. 
I take a lot of good away from there are a, a lot of victories. One. I don't think yeah. we're overreacting in our sentiment at all. Because well, like, we're not I, saying they're Super Bowl contenders. That's no. the thing. Like we're saying there's a lot of people backtracking because they had the Eagles at the bottom based on yes. last year. When if you listen to us on the podcast, we weren't ever saying they're going to win the championship this year, but we were also saying, look, when you have some of the best trench play in football, when you have a run game like you do, the young weapons, just because you're unproven doesn't mean you're not talented. And so with that, we said the floor is likely six or seven wins with this Mm -hmm. team, honestly, based on the way they're built. And what an entertaining start to the season, Gino. I want to ask you, I tweeted this out earlier and to see what the listeners thought. When you look back at the uh, last five season openers, or I would say since 2016, the start of the Carson Wentz-Doug Peterson era, where does yesterday rank when it comes to excitement level for you, like watching that entire game? How much did you enjoy that compared to the openers since 2016? Like, is it number one? Is it behind maybe the start of the new era in 2016? Where does that rank since 2016? Honestly, I don't even put 2016 as like my top two. I put 2017 when they had that great game Mm. against Washington where everybody just seemed to be playing well. As Fletcher Cox had the scoop and score to close out the game. Thought that was very exciting, really got them on track to where they were going to go. And the idea of getting on track early is something that in Philadelphia, even in the first quarter of games, we were just struggling to score points. And we got off to a good early start. We put one foot in front of the other. And this one, I I think it's like right up there is probably my top early season win. And it was was consistent, right? I mean, you didn't have to worry about a stressful first half or a collapse of a second half. No, after the stress I had to go through watching Oregon the previous day take on Ohio State, I didn't need any more stress in my life when it came to football. And it seemed like every week the last couple of years, we were like, okay, when are things going to go wrong? And we said it on our postgame show. It didn't. Like things just kept going right. Like that we're painting we punts. And, yeah, we were waiting for it. We were waiting for that collapse, but it never mm-hmm. happened. The punts were going inside the 15 yard line. We're holding them down to less than 25 yards per drive. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and all them, even though they stutter out at times, we're still taking a lot of snaps in opponents' territory, Lou. I think Atlanta had one snap in Philadelphia Eagles territory after those first two drives. Yeah. That's Talk a about successful game. That's a successful game, man. And yeah. I, I'm just pleased that we don't really have to be scratching our heads sitting here like some of those other teams, like maybe uh, Ehrman Meyer in Jacksonville, for example. Ooh, yeah, you know that I mean? was uh yeah, I I was watching that game too. I'm like, man, I, I was wondering when he's going to um maybe call it quits again like he has in the past in college when things don't go right. But uh there is a rumor a that start. he might hang him up already. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was a bad start for the Jaguars. It was a great start for the Eagles and their young core. Um I would say to answer the question I posed, I don't know, for me twenty sixteen was just so exciting because mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a change of an era, but it was a welcome change. We all wanted that Chip Kelly era to be done after 2015. And then to have a new one start with a real quarterback of the future and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson was an Andy Reid staple. So we were just 
dying to get back to what we used to know as Eagles football. And then the way that game started was so electric. I would say 2016 is number one. And then like 2019, it was stressful because Washington got up 17, nothing, but the Deshaun Jackson return for me. I mean, you know, you know, you've done the show with me since mm-hmm. 2018. How many times did we talk about a DJX reunion? And then for him to go off in that game, it's the Wentz and DJX going off. And those two games are at the top. I would say I like that 2017 game comparison you made for sure. This is right there with that because like this year, I wasn't really sure what 2017 was at the start because I didn't really know kind of like Jalen hurts right now in year two. I didn't know what Carson Wentz was going to be yet. Right. We kind of knew just Mm -hmm. like now though, they had stacked lines. So I was like, they're they're probably a nine and seven uh, team this year. And then game one QB one looked great. It was very similar to this year. It's kind of the same thing where Jalen hurts has that, Wentz against Washington like performance. And uh, so it's definitely ahead of 2018. The Super Bowl celebration was fun. The finish was fun, but overall that was a pretty bad game. And then 2020 was a disaster. So I would put it third probably, or maybe three, a three B with 2017 for sure. Yeah, that's fair. And it's to each their own in that conversation. But I think with the balance, even in that Washington game, they were, on the edge of like losing that game. And if that strip sack doesn't come, there's a chance that they weren't stopping Kirk Cousins at all in that drive. And they normally they, did it back then. Mm-hmm. He, he tore him up. And that's why I look at yesterday. And it's like, you look at a guy in Matt Ryan who tore you up for a decade plus you stopped him and offense yeah. that even with Kelvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, you were able to take advantage and win those matchups. I mean, Kelvin Ridley and, Kyle Pitts are both going to go for 100-plus yard oh, games yeah. multiple times throughout this and season. They were non-existent in that game yesterday. Or After on, uh, that Sunday. first drive, man, I, I the adjustments that were made from all of the units just really it pleased me that we didn't have to sit here and like want to punch a wall because you're like, can we please do something different on defense, offense? They did so many different things that I couldn't complain even if it came down to the end, Lou, and like, yeah, they maybe lost a close game, but no, they dominated. Like, absolutely, mm-hmm. from the beginning to end, outside of those first two drives, they dominated the Atlanta Falcons. There's a lot of players that dominated, and Gino and I are going to get into a lot of specific players in segment two as we get going, stock up, stock down, 2021 style. Coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by BetOnline. Dot AG. Gino, we did LOE three on Friday and we were, we nailed it, right? I mean, we were pretty close to hitting all of them. We had a couple off, but um, bet online has been awesome with the amount of different player props you can do with you know, the individual bets, the games. There's so much to offer at bet online. And again, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props and contests bet online.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football in 2021. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football to basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Again, to get that 100% welcome bonus, use our promo code LOCKEDON. 
All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Tuesday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's the Locked on Eagles podcast. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri. It's stock up, stock down time, Gino, and we're going to start with stock up. And it was hard. I said, me and you should probably both do two, or this podcast is going to be like two hours long. It could be two hours Mm -hmm. long with how many players we could dive into and hype them up. It was such a complete team effort on Sunday but we'll choose two each. Who do you start off with that really impressed? And again, we're going to hold off on Jalen Hurts. We all know his stock is up, but we do a whole show for Jalen Hurts on Fridays, Locked mm-hmm. on QB1. So obviously Hurts is stock up. But for this show, we like to look at the other players outside of the uh, QB1. So Gino, outside of Jalen Hurts, who really raised their stock on Sunday in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm going to start actually not with a player, but rather a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Gannon. It's tough to pick out like individual efforts off sure. of that defense because there were so many good people that played well in their roles, but the individual that got them there and lined them up there, it got them prepared throughout training camp. Jonathan Gannon, man, like we talk about how he stepped into one of the best defensive openings oh, yeah. in, in the sport, maybe ever. And I think he had fun with those toys. He took the Ferrari out. He took the Porsche out. He took the Lambo out. He's got all these guys that he's just showcasing to the league and saying, we are going to be a dominant defense. And you might think that these quote-unquote lowly Philadelphia Eagles might be one of the bottom feeders in the league. No, this defense is going to make you show up week in and week out. And the looks he presented, the different adjustments he made, I mean – you know, when you play a sports video game and like you get a coaching point and like you give them like a, a plus and it makes the whole unit better. Like that's what Jonathan Gannon was yesterday. Yeah. Like he was the coach who had everybody in a rhythm, was playing to his strengths, got pressure on the quarterback consistently, got breakups on the back end. I really think he played almost a perfect game after those first two drives. Nothing got behind them the whole game. That's a that's a big win, in my opinion, for this Eagles defense that for the longest time they were watching rainbows go over their head in that defensive yep. backfield. So Jonathan Gannon, stock way up for that gentleman. Yeah, and I think one of his best defensive players, Gino, yesterday, I think the best defensive player. There were a lot of good ones, but I think defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, oh, his yes. stock is very much up. Honestly, and I looked at uh, I was looking at the stats today. He had the NFL's highest pass rush win rate week 1 at 48%. He had two sacks and he was wrecking that ball game. And this is the guy Gino they paid for in 2020 in that offseason, right? Mm-hmm. This was the guy you saw in Pittsburgh. And last year, I think a lot of his struggles were the injuries, right? Not having a real offseason training camp, a preseason to get acclimated to a new defense. And yet this is the Hargrave. Like this is the best defensive tackle play we've seen outside of Fletcher Cox since probably what the beginning of 2017 when Timmy Jernigan mm-hmm. started on fire. I think that was the best defensive tackle play outside of Fletcher Cox in the last four seasons and Hargrave was all over the place. If they're going to consistently create that kind of pressure on the inside, I mean, look out for this team. You can say currently that they have two of the top 15 interior rushers in the NFL in Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And I don't think many people would argue on that. And I, tweeted out last night uh, I was going through his statistics he finished the game yesterday with six tackles three of them were solo two sacks and three quarterback hits and next gen stats also had him 
at 3.86 yards away from the passer during pass rush reps, which goes in line with him winning almost 50% of his pass rush win rate. And the average of the league was 4.52 yards away from the quarterback. Mm. So he's almost a full yard closer to your quarterback than most of the guys around the NFL. And when you talk about interior pressure, that's what the good quarterbacks hate. That's what a pocket passer like Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, that's what those guys cannot stand. When guys get in your face and when you have Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Mm -hmm. Cox, Hassan Ridgeway showed up in the stat book with a big sack towards the end of the game. Milton Williams was getting in there. That interior rushing, Lou, is something that is going to be a spectacle. It was literally a can play inside and rush. It was a clinic all over the field yesterday, a a defensive line clinic. And it starts with Javon Hargrave, who if people weren't on notice of what this kid can do, they better be ready for the force that this individual brings to a team. Well, and it's not surprising considering the summer he's had. I mean, he's been doing Mm -hmm. this throughout training camp all summer long and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because there's a lot of star players up there Gino Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and we always talk about Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett's a former first round pick and you bring in Ryan Kerrigan Milton Williams is a third round pick there are a lot of names but Javon Hargrave is continuing where he left off in the summer continuing stock up here Gino you have an offensive rookie yeah, so when I looked at it uh, much on offense as well, like there were a lot of good parts. I thought the the trio at wide receiver played very yeah. well. Everybody played their roles to a T. Quez Watkins started out early, getting outside on those couple screens. Jalen Rager gets his touchdown where he looked like the fastest man alive. And Devontae Smith did Devontae Smith things. I look in the backfield. Miles Sanders did what you and I and a lot of Eagles fans know he can do. I don't think people were ready to see what Kenny Gainwell was ready to do in regular season action, and that's why I give a stock up to him. And I think his most impressive play, Lou, won't even show up on the stat sheet. I think it was that catch that was called back in the end zone. Oh, the touchdown. touchdown. Because Lane Johnson was too far down the field because apparently it was supposed to be a designed uh, shuffle pass, so yep. it wouldn't have been an ineligible man downfield. But then he's in traffic, and a guy who – looks like he's a JV player playing with a bunch of men in like a men's league, goes in there and goes up and catches that ball in traffic and keeps it in his hands throughout the catch. He catches it like a receiver. We said it when they drafted him. He's not your Darren Sproles. There's different types of receiving running backs. Mm -hmm. He definitely is, and I thought he ran excellent too outside of that fourth down, which for a smaller back, like he still was churning his legs on that down. Mm -hmm. And for a fifth-round pick, Lou, to come in and contribute right away – I mean, all over the field yesterday, Howie Roseman's late round picks were paying off to a great extent. That's a good and point. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell them. was one of the top guys, man. Like it's hard to look at that one and two punch that those two guys bring and, and just like not worry about teams. Just, you know what it gives being me being able to stop love? the run. Like they can wear you down throughout the game. And they did that. Like all of a sudden you have Kenny G running a four, three, five that's going to come in after Miles Sanders just pounded it down your throat for 20 yards. It reminds me of LaShawn McCoy and Darren Sproles in 2014. I agree. That's, that's a very that's good kind comparison. of the vibe I'm getting. Kenneth Gainwell should have, honestly, though, Gino, never been a fifth-round pick. I mean, he was my no, third. Not in right. any realm. Yeah. He was my third running back, only behind Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. So mm-hmm. why he was a fifth-round pick to begin with, begin with, maybe it's because 
Memphis running backs are seen as gadget players and you mm-hmm. don't really know how to use if your offense doesn't have a plan for him. But I didn't see a gadget player yesterday, Gino. I saw a complete running back. That's the perfect guy behind Miles Sanders. And the way he played in that two-minute drill, not just like you said, catching the ball and running physically, but the way he blocked his mm-hmm. you-know-what off for Jalen Hurts down the field and in pass pro behind the line of scrimmage, it was an awesome day for Kenneth Gainwell and Gino, a lot of, like you said, I'm glad you mentioned the Howie Roseman late round picks. Kenneth Gainwell, um, Josh Sweat had a great day. Um, Jordan Maialata with some of the biggest blocks I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And another guy, surprisingly, on defense was cornerback Avante Maddox, another former fourth round pick in the 2018 NFL draft. Gino, he looked like rookie Avante Maddox in 2018. That down the stretch was one of the best corners in football in that 2018 playoff run. Since then, He hasn't been good. He wasn't good in 2019. He wasn't good in 2020 when they forced him on the outside opposite Darius Slay. Now he's fitting more in that slot role, which I think he fits best. And he really came into his own, even against a tough matchup of bigger Kyle Pitts. He was draped all over him multiple times. He was the Eagles' third highest defensive player graded, according to Pro Football Focus, with a 76.1 grade. And it would be really nice if Maddox could come into his own with how young he is and become that long-term slot in the defensive backfield. It'd be one less hole you don't have to fill in the draft in the next couple years. They need a lot of DB help. So if you can have the slot at least down with Maddox, it'd be really nice. I hope he continues that play this year. I believe that Avante Maddox definitely loves looking to his outside, his left and his right, seeing Steven Nelson and Darius Slay, and it's like, it's all right, it's got to be more comforting to be aggressive. Let me for sure. let me do well in my slot role, yeah. Which he did. Which when we were going over it, who we wanted to be that pairing, outside and inside, going into that offseason, it was Sewell, Sidney, and Avante Maddox. Yeah, that's right. And Avante is the last of the three. I didn't know if he would be, but once again putting players in their pristine positions where they excel. That's how you win games. Like Avante Maddox look like a completely changed person from the last two years. Does have to clean up the tackling a little bit. We know that, but he wasn't scared of any challenge. I, I mentioned on the pregame of the postgame show that he climbed up looking like it was the Empire State Building being Kyle Pitts yeah. and went up and broke up that pass and wasn't scared at all. And, you look back to the poor slot play that they had in the past year with uh, Cravon LeBlanc and Nickel Roby Coleman. Go back to the youth, man. Like, go to the things that work, guys that run fast, guys that are able to sit in their feet and just change direction really well. And Avante Maddox showed that. And he might not be the toughest, he might not be the tallest, but he plays with heart, man. Like, he really did come to play. And I hope that trajectory continues to excel with those two guys next to him because it has to be comforting knowing that he's the third guy now on the totem pole. Like right. he's not going to be sitting out on an Island. He just has to do his thing inside with a little bit of safety, with a little bit of linebacker help, but that's okay. As long as you get the job done, which he did yesterday in a very good way, by the way, which you said, according to PFF, he was the third highest graded yep. defender on the team. I believe that he was a guy that you didn't hear his name too much. And that's what you want out of defensive backs. And I'll continue to preach that. Stock up for Avante Maddox, for Kenneth Gainwell, for Jonathan Gannon, for Javon Hargrave, for a lot of players, Gino. Coming up next in segment three, we'll get into some stock down. I thought there were a few players that definitely need to improve. 
based on their performance against the Atlanta Falcons. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by rockauto.com. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto, it's a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And best of all, their prices are reliably low for every customer, including the do-it-yourselfer. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and make sure you're right down locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And if you watch yesterday's game, I hope you watched it on direct TV stream. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. That was literally me this weekend <laughs> when you're watching these FCS games that require these crazy logins. I was to trying go to watch, watch them. Yeah, it, it, it takes a while to find some of those college football games. But the great thing is DirecTV Stream will help you out with all that. And I want to tell you that there's a simple way to finally, without hassle, get all your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. I got four sitting up in my living room. I lose one all the time. And no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, everybody. Welcome back into this Tuesday edition of Locked on Eagles. It's stock up, stock down, week one edition. Stock up to defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, running back Kenneth Gainwell, cornerback Avante Maddox stock up to so many more but you know now let's get into the negative we you know we've got to be critical still here because it was it wasn't a perfect game it felt like it on Mm -hmm. most areas of the game but there definitely were some players that could use improvements and um number one I think I think just an entire unit that you want to talk about definitely was I think the biggest the weakest link on Sunday Special teams. Does it shock you that I bring up special teams once a game? Once again, excuse who, who am I? They once weren't again, yards at all. Yeah, special, no, yeah, teams. that that's that's a great way to put it, Luke. <laughs> so I tweeted this out about an hour ago, and I said the Eagles need to figure this thing out asap, and that being the return game. And the returns went as followed, Lou. They had a touchback, a Quez Watkins 18-yard kick return, which would put them behind the 25-yard line that you would right. get if you fair caught it. A Rager fair catch on a punt. A Rager two-yard punt return, a Quez Watkins 20-yard kick return, which still puts them behind the 25, a Rager 11-yard punt return, a Rager 10-yard punt return, and a Rager minus one-yard punt return. Rager averaged 4.8 yards a punt return, and Watkins averaged 20 yards per kick return. That's not great, especially when the Eagles had many opportunities to get plus field position. If all they did was return it for... 10 yards every time. Just put your foot in the ground, get upfield, or even if Quez Watkins fair catches it in the end zone and decides not to take it out a yard into the end zone, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're not playing behind the eight ball. And I stress it so much. Even if you take a fair catch, 
you are putting yourself in the best position possible if you know that you are not going to get past the 25-yard line. And if evidence shows what they did yesterday, it looks like that's not the way it's going to go until they figure something out. I believe both Quez and Jalen have to own up and be accountable for what they did in terms of trying to try out for Dancing with the Stars, I guess, when they yeah. caught the caught the football back there and they're dancing around. No, special teams, north and south, get your foot in the ground Especially and with that go. speed. I mean, when you Especially rush 4-3, yeah. just go. Yeah. Just go, man. Like, put people on their heels. Kill the angles, which you – I mean, if Jalen Rager did what he did on that bubble screen, on any of those punt returns, he's yeah. going to gain more yardage than he did on any mm-hmm. of those – Bar none. Same thing with Quez Watkins on those two screens. And Mike Clay will definitely be on them in that special teams return room. And the thing is, Lou, I want to see them be in a plus position because I was so excited to see that offense. Like, I want to give them the best opportunity to continue to score points and see all these invigorating ways that they do it. Like, it it was captivating to see how they were putting up points in all these formations. But when your special teams put you behind the eight ball and you're in minus territory right off the get-go – it's going to be tough to continue to to be efficient that way. Like you got to get on track before that train falls yeah. off of the tracks. That's yeah. Sure. Just don't give this team an excuse or a reason to bring Greg Warden just to get he the asked. bare minimum in the return game. And so hopefully Watkins and Rager can improve in the return game. Definitely stock down for that area of special teams. The punt game was great. Jake Elliott hit his kick, um, but the return game definitely needs improvement. Um, Geno stock down to defensive end Derek Barnett, and not mm-hmm. really based on how he played yesterday because I thought he was solid. But that's really all he was again, and that's kind of the theme of Derek Barnett is he was okay. I thought he was good against the run. I thought he did generate some pressure. Almost had one sack. He did bring down Matt Ryan. He had to throw it away. Um, but at the same time, he was last in snaps when it comes to those four defensive ends. Brandon Graham had more, obviously. Uh, Josh Sweat had eight more snaps. Ryan Kerrigan had a few more snaps than Derek Barnett. And so the way Josh Sweat looks with pass rush is always better. But if he's going to look as good as he did against the run yesterday mm-hmm. – Derek Barnett, that like that's like his one thing he had an advantage on of Sweat was he was a you could say a more complete player. There's a reason he was the starter and Sweat was more of the specialty pass rusher. If Sweat's going to look like that in all facets of the game, then Barnett number one is not getting the contract, and it's not going to be long that for long that he's the starter. Um, and he yesterday he started the game, but Sweat finished the game, and so stock down for Barnett just based on I guess the way everybody else was playing and he kind of just continues to plateau and not really take dramatic steps up. Maybe he's he's definitely improved since his rookie year in 2017, but they're very gradual steps, whereas Josh Sweat, it's you know a more dramatic uh, uh, climb for sure. Yeah, I totally look at it that way, Lou, as well. And you have to factor in that Sam linebacker position as well. Like even Patrick Johnson and Gennard Avery were in pass rushing situations more often than a guy like Derek Barnett was, and you're right. You can't keep Josh Sweat off the field with as good as he is against the run. He just yeah. has too much length. He understands how to play with leverage too well. He's very quick tracking down the back. And he can just, I mean, he was hustling all over the field. There was one play when the, I think it was on the first two drives because they were in Eagles territory where there was a play out to the sideline and Josh Sweat just comes flying over to make a tackle and, to keep that athleticism off for a guy who's only solid, like you said, and I think that's a very fair assessment of Derek Barnett in a league where pass rushing is how you get paid as a defensive end. Looking at what the Raiders just did, they just sat Clellan Farrell last night. Know. You see what 
not being able to rush the passer as a defensive end can lead to, and it could lead you as a healthy scratch. And hopefully that's not the way mm-hmm. Barnett goes, but if he's going to get out snapped by some of these guys that we said, it might not be long for him to be on the roster. Yeah, for sure. And who even knows with the trade deadline, you have no idea mm-hmm. what this team could do. Uh, Gino stocked down for another area of it's not a specific player for you, right? But more of a, mm-hmm. um, more about fundamentals. Yeah, so I go to the offensive line. As good as they were, those penalties, I mean, how many times were drives killed? Like yeah. three or four times by a, a stupid false start on Isaac Sayamalu, a stupid holding on Lane Johnson. They know that they're better than that. They shouldn't be taking those penalties. Even Isaac Sayamalu, even Jordan Maialato, who is the newest of all of them, knows what Stoutland wants on uh, out of them. And I think how Nick Seriani says it, being good at the things that don't require skill, that is an excellent way how to sure. not take pre-snap penalties. And there, I mean, you kill three or four of those drives, Lou, you're in opponent territory on the one when Miles Sanders picks up the first down and then all of a sudden there's a hold and it's second and 20 and you end up just throwing two screen passes behind the line. That's at least three points that were off the board. Right. The way they were cooking, that was another touchdown. You take three or four drives away from an offense, if you start to take four, five, six away, that's how you're going to start to lose games. And as a veteran, as much veteran presence as there is on this unit, they know better than to be the people that put them behind the eight ball. And I'm yeah. sure Jeff Stoutland let them know that once they watch the film, that yeah. is for sure. Stock down, especially for the offensive line when it comes to the discipline and penalties. Gino, stock down too for linebacker in general. I specifically put mm-hmm. Jannard Avery here, but I thought Eric Wilson had a pretty tough game, especially yeah. in the first half against the run or just anything in the box. He was really struggling with missed tackles, with, you know, uh, run fill, run gap, filling the run gaps. It was, um, run fits, I should say. Mm-hmm. It was just overall not a great game for the linebackers. I thought they got better as the game went on. I thought some of the young guys made some good plays. Sean Bradley had a nice stop against the run. So, two to Patrick Johnson, their day three rookie. But overall, I thought like two of the starters, you really, I would have expected more from, especially Eric Wilson. But Jannard Avery, I just thought for that Sam spot that they're using a lot as a rusher, at the same time, you still got to be able to move in space. You got to be able to cover still. You got to be able to play against the run. And he just did not really move well in space. And so when you look at how Patrick Johnson was moving, when you look at Davian Taylor coming back, I know he's more of the uh, rotational guy with Singleton and Wilson, but you look at like Taylor's speed and the way he can hit. I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe experimented in that role too. I just, I don't know. I, with Jannard Avery, I thought it wasn't it wasn't a terrible game, but I didn't think it was a great start considering I thought the excitement level we had for him in August was, it, it was certainly there. So mm-hmm. not just Avery, but linebacker in general, I want to see get better because that defense had an, a monster game. But the one weak link early on was probably that second level. Yeah, I totally agree. There was that one play early on with Jannard Avery where he was just yeah. bumbling around. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing just got his our, his ankles broken by air. Yeah, so, and yeah. same thing with Eric Wilson. I mean, it's tough that NFL Game Pass doesn't have all twenty two anymore. I know, which is insane. But I was watching back some of those games and some of those runs. It was clear. Like the thing with this defensive line is, we know run game is going to spill to the linebackers. Yeah. There were so many times when Eric Wilson just got, he didn't even, one, didn't even get to his gap, and two, just got blown four or five yards backwards by these pulling defensive linemen. And yeah. if you're not aggressive at the point of attack as a linebacker, 
you're going to have a rough day at the office with how they like to get these athletic offensive linemen into space to take advantage of that. And if you're going to have guys that aren't that great and perform that well, put the youth in that are better athletes, like Sean Bradley, who's a better athlete than a guy like Eric Wilson. Same thing with Patrick Johnson, who is an all-star athlete coming out of Tulane. Just get them on the field just to see what they have because that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great adjustment by Jonathan Gannon to do so. But you're right. For two guys that bubble type of players, Eric Wilson, Mm -hmm. a one-year deal, Jannard Avery, same type of thing, not too great for them. They shouldn't be feeling too happy about their performances yesterday. For sure. Stock down for the linebackers, specifically Jannard Avery and Eric Wilson. Hopefully they bounce back next week against the San Francisco 49ers. Gino and I will get into that matchup coming up later this week. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Eagles. I mean, we've got three more shows this week on any podcast platform and on YouTube as well. And we're always talking birds on Twitter at Lockdown Birds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, and at GC24 underscore football. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. This has been your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.